Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. All right. Now, every time I have a podcast, I always say, this is the best podcast that I'm ever going to do. However, I have to say, I really, really do love this interview. I am very excited to introduce to you Summer Bat, who um, I had to ask her, how do I pronounce your name? Because it says B-A-T-T-E, and I wanted to mangle it and do all kinds of, you know, really interesting things with her name, like Bate or Batty or something really fun, but nope, it's Bat. So Summer wrote this really great book that I have to tell you, I needed when my daughter, my youngest daughter, Caroline, was growing up because she has a lot of anxiety. I'm a very anxious person. She comes by it honestly. And I know that you know, we kind of throw that term anxiety around pretty freely. Like we all say, oh, you know, I'm anxious today or I have a lot of anxiety or, you know, I'm worried about this or that or the other thing. But the thing that I loved so much about reading Summer's book was that it is written for kids. It is written in their language and it is, you know, it, it actually helps you as a parent be able to talk to them about anxiety. It's not a clinical book. So hoorah, man, I wish I had this book 10 years ago or 15 years ago even. It would have really opened up my life. Summer, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for writing this book. Welcome. Thank you for having me and for saying such nice things. Well, you deserve it. Um, I am sure this was a labor of love, but... Um, First and foremost, tell us a little bit about your family. Tell us a little bit about you. So I, I am Summer Bat. I um, am a magazine editor and writer kind of by profession. Um, and so I'm used to jumping into topics and trying to learn everything that I can about them for a story and you know, distilling it into something that everyone can, can enjoy and understand. Um, but I have a wonderful teenage daughter who started displaying signs of anxiety. I have a husband too. We should not forget him, but I have a daughter, <laughs> poor husbands. Um, but my daughter who's in high school now started displaying signs of anxiety very, very early. I, in hindsight, could probably point to things in infancy that I, I you know, as an untrained person would say were anxiety, but certainly by age two, she was um, and, but, you know, as it goes with young kids, you get told, well, you know, kids go through these phases, every kid develops at their own pace and all that's true. And so we just kept marching on and coping, but parenting was not easy. Um, and that was the beginning though, of me trying to figure out what was going on with her. Um, you know, her father has had issues with anxiety. I, you know, was never diagnosed with anything anxiety related, but I am, you know, I was definitely called a perfectionist when I was a kid. I was there, you know, there are things there. It's on both sides of the family. How we ever thought we were just going to have a kid who didn't have anxiety. I, you know, we were naive and young, um, but we, uh, so we, I'm, I'm getting away here. That was the beginning of me trying to figure out what was going on um, as she was a toddler, even um, because it didn't seem like the typical amount of anxiety, right? It's, it's just, she seemed different than the other kids. Um, but we 
also just kind of figured this was parenting and this is what it was for us. So over the years, as she progressed through school and things got kind of worse and worse and kind of our, our rock bottom was third and fourth grade. And we made some big changes then. Um, but I spent pretty much every free moment I had during those years, trying to research anxiety, research learning disabilities, trying to connect the dots and figure out why this obviously very bright child was struggling so much with everything, everything in school, things at home, th- just struggling all the time. Um, and also trying to figure out what would fix it. Cause that's what we always want, right. Is some oh, fix yeah. <laughs> for our kids. Um, and finally, in the end years, you know, years down the road, she ended up with three diagnoses. Um, one of which is an anxiety disorder. So through it all, um, the big thing kind of what led me to write this book was that I was witnessing as a parent, how, how people and particularly adults spoke to her, especially about anxiety and how they talked about, you know, the things that you should do to feel better. And I thought, gosh, we, we say some weird things about anxiety. We handle this really oddly at times. And people would say things and with very with wonderful intentions. And, you know, they would say something like, well, you know, if you do this, you'll, you'll feel better and you can just go and play and have fun like all the other kids. And we right. would hear it like that, but she would hear like, if you do this, then you'll be like all the other children. Like she heard this weird yes. dystopian novel version of it in her head. Right. And it sounded scary to her. And like somebody was trying to change her and make her not worry about these things that she thought absolutely needed to be worried about. Right. So um, what's wrong with you, right. Yeah. yeah. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. Uh, so I started researching kind of why the, for me, it always helps to understand why and how, and, and for her, that seemed to help too. Like wh- why, why does deep breathing do anything for you? That doesn't seem like it should be connected to what's going on in your brain at all. And certainly not what ha- what's happening in the world. So, um, so I started looking up, you know, and researching why these techniques work, how medication works in your brain, what exactly happens. And, um, and sometimes I had great success with her when I did that. Other times I completely botched it. Um, and, you know, but I wanted to prepare her. I thought we, we've got to ultimately end up with an adult here who can understand what's going on in her own mind and who can advocate for herself. And, um, and we've got to start somewhere kind of showing her how to find the information, how to, how to find yes. truth versus, you know, everything else is on the internet. Um, and, you know, and make her feel like she's got some amount of control because she feels like she has none right now. So, and, you know, and by and large, that kind of stuff worked. It, it helped her a lot. Um, but at the same time, I became a mom who, the mom who had been through some stuff, right? And so uh, friends or friends of friends um, would would come to me with questions about medication or therapy and, um, you know, learning disabilities, all this stuff. And, um, and I just saw the same kind of missing chunks of information pop up again and again with parents as well. And the same kind of conversations gone bad that, that, you know, led to more problems or it didn't help their kids. And so um, I just thought, I think I should just write this down. I think I should just write something. It actually started out as a book just about medication because I just saw so much misunderstanding about what medication would do for kids. So it started out as that and then it, um, and then it grew. (laughs) So That's how we ended up here. For sure. Cause well, first of all, the medication chapter is great, but, and I want to talk to you about that, but we should tell everybody what the title is name and tame your anxiety. What a great title. I love that. 
so descriptive um, and just so meaningful for kids too. It just, it just calls it right out there, you know? Um, and two things about what you were saying, first of all, you know, clinicians are great. Therapists are great. Doctors are great, but they don't live with our kids. Right. We do. And we are the ones who have to day to day dig in, in our family and deal with it. Right. So mm -hmm. it's so important that we become the experts, just like we do for every other freaking thing that has to do with our kids, whether it's the reading special specialist, you know, program, or whether it's, um, doing ABA or no matter what it is, we become the expert. So this is like, no, like everything else. I mean, we just have to become the expert. So I love that you just dug in like every other super parent, really super moms, but super parent, and we just figure it out. So that's awesome. And also anxiety tends to be a lifelong thing, not for everybody, but it does tend to be a lifelong thing. Mm -hmm. So getting in there early and figuring out how this looks for your kid and what the tools are going to be that work for your kid and what their path is going to look like and helping them chart their way. And I love that self-advocacy piece. I want to talk about that chapter too, because hoorah that that's in your book. I love it. Thank you. That's also so important. So, um, yeah. And, you know, and it's hard too. There's, you know, anxiety is kind of a, a ride along condition with so many other special needs and mental health challenges and, and learning disabilities, right? It, it's, it's coexists with so many things. And so it, sometimes it's hard to tease out, you know, is this the anxiety or is this the other thing that's going on that's causing the anxiety? And, you know, what it's kind of a chicken and egg problem. Um, so it looks different for everybody and it, you know, and the solutions are going to range, right. But hopefully there's something in here for everyone. Yeah. Fantastic. So can I dig into the book? Absolutely. Can I tell you all the things that I loved about it? <laughs> yes. I'm such a super fan. So in the beginning of the book, I love that you start talking about right away about, you know, when is anxiety good and when is it a problem? Because you want to really just remind kids that anxiety has its place for us you know, and I love that little history lesson. It was kind of important for me to remember that too, <laughs> that it's not always negative. And so you have this really great story about um, the amygdala writing the letter, you know, hey, there's a lion over here, you know, <laughs> we're, we're going to be anxious about that. Love your amygdala. <laughs> yes, yes. So cool the way you are writing things down in a way that a kid could really get it and understand. So can you talk to us a little bit about how you decided to kind of outline that um, taking away some of the edge of that negative stereotype on anxiety? Yeah, I mean, it it's just anxiety is necessary. I mean, you want it, you don't want to just, you know, walk off the curb into traffic, right? You, you need it. It's really necessary. And it's, and it's often 
confused with excitement. Excitement can feel very similar and to anxiety. And so it, it is just, I think, important to take away and it's something that everybody experiences. So there shouldn't be a stigma about it. We're all going to feel anxious at some point, you know, probably today um, about something. And so there's no reason for there to be a stigma. Um, and it's a healthy thing to have. You don't want it to go you don't want it to go away completely. And that's the, that's the tricky thing. I think about managing it is you do need it, but you need to know when it's doing its job a little too well. Right. So when we're worried about having a big interview, like today, I use that worry quote unquote to um, give me the sign that I need to prepare. So I sit and I take time to write my notes and do my homework and learn everything I can about Summer Bat and I read her book and I, you know, and I just get ready and I do my work. And yeah. so that's, that's a good kind of worry and anxiety. It, it just, it reminds me that I have a job to do. And I love how you outline that in the book for kids, like yeah. your worry and your anxiety reminds you to do your homework, you know? Yeah. Yeah prepare for your day and all of those things. Right. And so it's, you know, it is healthy to a degree and then there's just a point at which it's a little too much and the, and the kind of the notes and the, the letters back and forth. I just thought, you know, it's so helpful to have kind of a character or a personality to assign to these things. Cause they're very, you know, it's kind of meta, right? It's like, what, what, what are we talking about here? It's in your brain. It's there's all these, you know, it's, it's just hard. It's helpful. I think to make them into kind of distinct characters in your brain and, um, personalities. And, and then it helps you to also name those personalities or not. I shouldn't say personalities. We don't really want multiple personalities in our brains, but you know, characters who are doing their part, right. Players who are doing their part on the team. And so, um, so that was kind of my way of, of separating out the various jobs of, of the brain and the neurotransmitters in your head. At one point you were talking about, I'm not sure if it was in, in your book or maybe in one of your interviews, about how doctors are so quick to medicate, but um, maybe, I don't know if it was your child or somebody else was not, did not want to take medication because it wasn't, um, the, nobody took the time to explain about the medication and you know what the medication would do. But in your book, you take the time to explain about the brain and what the medication is going to feel like and mm -hmm. what the medication is going to do in the brain. I thought that was brilliant. What gave you the idea to actually take the extra time to do all of that? That came initially out of, um, out of my own discussions with my daughter. And I just, because again, we are the experts on our kids, right? I knew she was a kid who um, was reluctant to take so much as Tylenol. She doesn't want to put things into her body that don't need to be there, which is, you know, by and large, a good trait to have. Right. Um, and so, you know, we've always joked that like, Oh, she must be really feeling sick if she wants Tylenol. Cause she never, you know, she never goes there. Um, so my, so when we got to the point where it was recommended that she start medication and it was very clear that it was, it was needed. Um, I, I mean, I was a psychology major in college, which, you know, 
qualifies me for nothing. That doesn't make me an expert at anything, <laughs> but, um, but it did give me kind of a foundation from which I could then kind of dig into these things and try and figure them out. So, um, so I made sure that I researched and figured out how these medications work, what they do and what they do not do. Um, a lot of parents are really afraid that it's going to change their child's personality, that it's somehow going to, to alter them. And it just doesn't do that. Uh, you know, if anything, people after the fact say, oh my gosh, like it, it's finally my kid back again. I, they I, I see my child again. And they were kind of masked by this, you know, anxiety for so long. Um, but that's a big fear that a lot of parents have. And I think a lot of kids have too. So I knew going into this, that the only way I was going to get her to take these pills was to make sure that I knew and she knew exactly what it was going to do and what it was not going to do. And I also didn't, as just kind of a modeling thing growing up, I didn't want to just hand her a pill and say, here, take this. It'll make you feel better. Like that's that, if you kind of step back from that, you go, that's kind of, you know, I think that was said to me about beer in college, you know, like it's, that's not the way to go into this. So I wanted to make sure she knew what she was taking um, and why she was taking it and it worked. Um, and so, and she has been on board and she can tell you how it works and has been able to, since she was very young. We also had a, a different situation where she was prescribed another medication for a different diagnosis. And I got a little lazy and I didn't really, I explained to her how it worked, but I didn't really explain everything. And one night um, in bed, she it was we were reading a story and she was going to bed and she said, um, th this one was for ADHD. And she said, well, when I'm done with my medicine and my ADHD is gone, then I can, and I can't even remember what she said. She was hopeful that she would be able to do, but I might just, my heart just like dropped out of me. I thought, oh no, I screwed up. I said, ADHD doesn't go, it doesn't go away. I, like this is medication that if it works for you, you'll probably take it to some degree forever or, you know, or not, maybe you'll just choose not to, but ADHD doesn't really go away. And she just started sobbing that this was something that, and I just thought I, I didn't handle it right. I let her get to the point where she thought this was going to be fixed like an antibiotic um, for an infection. So that really, I did one of those conversations well for my child and I did one not well. <laughs> so that really, both of those experiences kind of cemented the way I wanted to go into explaining it to other kids. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's definitely reflected in that chapter for sure. Good. Good. And then there was a great chapter on therapy too. Um, and even again, to the point of, you know, what is therapy and what can you expect when you go in to meet with your therapist? And I think that's important because if the therapeutic relationship is not a good one, then a child can actually report back that, you know, this isn't exactly what was explained to me and, you know, can, can talk about it, can say, yeah. hey, you know, we're not actually doing any of those things or I don't like what we're talking about or this doesn't feel good or, um, you know, just, can, it, this way, there's, there's a framework around what's going to happen when they get into the room with that therapist. So, right. right. And there yeah. are little things that there are little things that kids notice that we, you know, even if we've never been to therapy, we've seen enough movies, maybe with therapists taking notes and uh, taking notes is a great example that got added in kind of the last minute. Cause I was thinking through all the examples and I, 
told my editor, I said, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I forgot about the therapist taking notes. They take notes the whole time. Like what? And I could remember my daughter when she was very young and we've been to a number of therapists and, you know, her just kind of her eyes just darting around at all the things that she didn't, she didn't know what that meant or she didn't know what to expect. Right. So knowing that it's, it's a little different than going to the doctor's office for an ear infection. And it's um, and there are things like white noise machines or the, you know, them taking notes that those are just things that if they know it ahead of time, it helps. Right. Cause you're dealing with an anxious kid already. Right. You don't need anything else adding to it. Right. Right. Absolutely. So then I, I think I mentioned already how excited I was to see a chapter on self-advocacy in there because I don't think a lot of people talk about that or think about that. Why did you decide to add that in? I, I well, kind of what I said at the beginning, the, we need to raise children who become adults who can get what they need on their own, right? Um, who eventually can handle this themselves. And there are, and we acknowledge that there are some big discussions, like if there are IEP meetings or something that, you know, they can't, you know, an eight-year-old isn't just going to walk in and handle that. Right. But there are things that they can start doing from a very early age to start advocating for themselves. And even just how, how to phrase what they, what they need, um, how to go about it. When is a good time to talk to your teacher or your coach? You know, it's not in the middle of the game. (laughs) Um, And, you know, just trying to start thinking through those things. And I think that's something, you know, that you would work on over time um, with your child, but they, they can do that. And being, knowing how to do some of that and, and um, feeling, you know, a little bit of control in a world that feels very out of control sometimes I think is really helpful. And also, I mean, we've dealt with a lot of separation anxiety over the years. And part of that is I'm not going to have my advocate here. I'd like my mom or my dad make sure that things go okay for me. And if they're not there, what am I going to do? So, so trying to learn how to take some of that on themselves. I just, I think it's really important. There was even an example in there about advocating in a situation with a friend. Mm -hmm. I thought that was really important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we think about it as a school thing or, you know, kind of in official places, but it happens all the time. You can, you can ask for what you need from anybody, you know? So, um, yeah. A lot of our kids get bullied or feel very left out or, um, you know, don't find their place. And, um, I think it's really important that they can step up with these skills and ask for what they need for sure. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Good. Thank you. So um, you've got some really great tips in the book about managing anxiety. And um, I thought maybe, you know, as we we knew we were going to run out of time, (laughs) (laughs) that was going to happen. Right. I warned you, we're not going to have a lot of time to go through everything. And, um, I have a couple of questions that I want to make sure that we talk about. Um, And there are some great tips here, but, you know, before I get to the tips though, can I, can I just ask you this? Why, why don't we talk more to our kids about this kind of stuff? Why, first of all, why don't the doctors take more time to, and the therapists take more time to kind of set our kids up for success? 
because I find this to be a novel idea. I went through this with an anxious kid and I had a very profoundly disabled kid that nobody talked to because they kind of treated her like a piece of furniture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had the two ends of the extreme. So why, why, is, why am I seeing this as such a novel idea? Um, I, I'd really love to know what you think about that. You know, I, I don't know. I think, you know, my own experience as a parent is you just want things to be okay. And you just, sometimes you just think if we don't, you know, if we ignore it, maybe it'll go away. <laughs> if we don't, you know, if we don't indulge it, it'll go away. And, you know, that is actually something of a strategy with some aspects of anxiety, but yeah, we don't talk about, you know, other people having anxiety or how, you know, how, how other kids might be feeling it too. And you just can't see it, you know, and um, there's a lot in self-advocacy and um, you know, what therapy is going to be like, or even that going to therapy is a perfectly normal thing. And I think some of that is changing. My own daughter at one point recently said, oh, mom, everybody has a therapist. Like that's not a thing, but we live in the San Francisco Bay area. And she goes to a high school with a lot of um, kids with, with, um, with some challenges like she has. So, um, so I think she's, in an environment where it's very okay. Um, the, the therapy, I mean, we have worked, every person we have worked with, every mental health professional has been, you know, wonderful and trying to do their absolute best. And every teacher has been trying to do their best. And, um, and so I don't, you know, I have, I don't put any blame on anybody, but I do think, and I've told some people before that, you know, there was one year my daughter's best friend walked into our house in February or March and said, why is there a candy cane still on your wall from, it was a holiday decoration that I had just not it had just become part of the wallpaper. I just didn't see it anymore. And I think that in any profession, you get so used to the minutia of what happens that you don't, you don't see the little things. And so you just kind of start to feel like everyone has some level of common understanding about what's going on here. Um, and so it's hard to back up and sort of, you know, get into that stuff with every person. So I don't think it's intentional. I just think, you know, we're, we're all still we're all still growing and understanding this stuff better and better. And, you know, we'll get there. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But you know, if the doctor is going to prescribe a medication to a 12 year old, they could take the time in age appropriate language to explain to the 12 year old, what the medication is for, what it's going to do, how it's going to make them feel. And, you know, when to talk to their parent about, whether the medication is working or not working in essence, training them to be a a good patient and a good advocate for themselves. Yeah. That, that part could be improved with very little effort. I think talking about medication, there are a lot of parents who after the medication has been prescribed, they're still debating about whether they should, and they have all this, you know, random information and they they've heard, you know, and there's, you know, they've heard the antidepressants can increase suicidal thoughts and they have, you know, and um, it's not, I mean, my feeling is once you understand it and you know enough about it, it is much less scary and it can be a total game changer for so many kids and so many families. It certainly was for us. So yeah, that could be improved and it would only take a few minutes of, of explanation, I think. And, um, and I hope that happens in the future. Mm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we are at the tips part of our podcast today, which again, I'm super excited about. Um, So 
let's give some really good stuff to our audience today. Uh, there were some really great things in your, in your book and I wrote a few things down, but um, I wanna know what, what you think the most important things are that we should leave with the audience today. Oh goodness, as far as tips for Lessons. tips specifically? Yeah, about dealing with naming and taming your anxiety. What would you like people to really leave with with, with today? Um, I think, you know, for, for the kids themselves or parents, is mod- modeling is important, right? So do the things that you want your kids to do. So, um, you know, name anxiety. That's a really great way to just make it something. It's not a thing that's kind of wrong with you. It's just, it's a thing that you're dealing with. It's a noun, right? Not an adjective. Um, and so it's, it's a thing that's going on and you can talk back to it and, and that helps. So I think that's a big part modeling in general, um, for parents, you know, go on a walk at the end of the day, because it's going to make you feel better and be, you know, the semi-obnoxious parent who says, I'm going on a walk because I know it'll make me feel better. <laughs> like that, you know, it is seeping in, it's worming their way, it's way into your kids' brains, right? It will have an effect, maybe not this week, but eventually. Um, and then I, you know, I love, as far as like a, a real kind of tactic you can take on right away, I, taking slow breaths uh, really does make a big difference I immediately. So- yeah. And I did that before I got, I, I am much more comfortable as the interviewer than an interviewee. So I was doing some slow breathing right before we got on this call. Cause I thought, oh, gosh, I am nervous. So, um, <laughs> that it helps. It helps. Well, you are a great interviewee. Um, I also picked up on a few other things. Um, yeah. I loved your discussion about getting a good night's sleep. And I think yes. many parents could model this for their kids. Mm-hmm. If, they see um, if kids see their parents exhausted all the time, that's a no-go, right? I mean, why should a kid listen when their parent is telling them, you have to go to bed, you have to get a good night's sleep, you have to get off your tablet, iPad, you know, phone, whatever, when they see their parents not modeling good behavior with all the electronics and not being able to um, have the downtime that you talk about as well. So you talk about downtime, that was a really great discussion in there. And then you talk about making a plan for dealing with the anxiety. Mm -hmm. Really, really excellent discussions. Um, I think there's something for everybody in this book. I hope that people will pick it up. It's going to be released on April 20th which by the time this podcast airs will be that week. So um, we, um, I think that there are people who are actually getting it now because it's out in pre-sales, but um, I'm super excited for it. I'm so glad that I got to read an advanced copy. And um, as soon as it's available, I'm going to go ahead and do a review. So thank you. I think you did a fantastic job. And again, I wish I had this available when my kid was little because I could have used something like this. I, I'm always so impressed with parents who are not a professional, but they really are a professional parent because we have just gotten to be that expert. And then to take the time to share what you've learned for the rest of us, 
It is so appreciated. So with gratitude, I really applaud you for sharing what you've learned, giving it to the rest of us and, and for coming on this podcast. Thank you so much, Summer. It was such a joy to have you on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And this was really fun. Thank you.